It is a good morning. The sun's out, and it's nice and warm outside, isn't it? Because here we are almost in April, and it's nice and warm out there. Praise God. We know that that's coming. It's nice and warm in here. I remember what it was. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, and I'll mention it again next week. Um, one of the things that I've been concerned about for a while, and we've been discussing it on our staff, is that in the, in the time before service, we have people up here that are, that are trying to pray, and we've got people in the congregation in the back that are, that are wanting to visit with each other. And they're both important things to do, because very often God works in our lives just through a human contact. Somebody comes up and greets us, maybe listens and finds out something going on in our lives. On the other hand, we also have people that want to pray, and we need to pray. What we used to do years ago is we used to use the fellowship hall over here for prayer, and, it, and we had a wonderful turnout over there because we had people that wanted to pray. And then a number of years ago, we moved it in here, and I don't even remember why. I wasn't in charge at the time. Uh, but we're going to go back to that. So what we're going to do is we're going to open the, 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 the prayer room, which is the, as you go down the hall on the, out this way, uh, it's the first door, in, it's the second door on your right. The first is, is Debbie's office. Uh, and it's that part of the fellowship hall. It's a prayer room during the services. And you can go in there and sit and pray. If you have needs, you can go up. We have prayer teams in there so that this room is available. People who want to fellowship and we don't distract each other. <clears throat> so that's going to start next Sunday. So if you're, it's in your heart to pray, and we do need prayer before the service uh, for what God, for, so that the Word of God can go forth undistr- and received undistracted. And so we're going to start that next Sunday and believe that that's going to create a good atmosphere here as well as in there. Praise God. Everybody understand that? All right. I'm going to pray. We're not going to have uh, uh, the live radio this morning because of what I'm going to talk about. And, um, and then I want to pray, and we're going to get into a subject that's very important. It's, it's part of what we're talking about. I just have to get a little bit ahead, and you'll understand when we get into this. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time that we've had this morning to worship you and to love you. And to, be, and to commit our lives to you. Now help us, Lord, to live out that commitment. That commitment, Father, is not just in coming to church. It's not just in reading our Bibles. It's not just, but it's in how we live our lives. It's, it's that commitment to you is in speaking only what you speak and doing only what we see you to do. And we need the grace and help of the Holy Spirit to do that. Father, as we look into the Word today, Your Word takes us to places that we may not be comfortable with. Your Word opens up issues that we may not want to look at, but Your Word is truth. And Satan works in the darkness, and You work in truth. And so, Father, today as we open the Word together, we're trusting You by the Spirit of truth to open the eyes of our understanding that we would see the truth. Father, help us to lower to lower the walls of our heart. So because as we hold those walls up to protect ourselves, we keep you out, and we keep your word and your spirit out. And Father, we pray today that that we take authority over every distraction, over every spirit that would try to oppose the truth of the word of God today. And we trust in you that the spirit of God will speak in through me into our hearts what he wants to say to us today. And we thank you this morning for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now that I got you nice and nervous, (laughs) I don't have to tell you that we are living in very difficult times. I don't have to tell you that we're living in very divisive times. We're living in a time where our politics is so divisive, I'm not sure without God's move that it can ever be recovered. We got people on one. We got people that only listen to one one network here because they speak what they believe, and people only listen to the other network because that's what they believe. And then, and these, this divisiveness is in the world, and it is it is a tool of, of Satan to kill and to destroy. And 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 but the, it's, but my concern is it's gotten into the church. I'm hearing reports of families that are divided. I addressed this during the campaign. And it's over politics, it's over social issues, it's over financial issues, and, and, and we're going to address it today. But we're going to begin to address it. We're not going to be able to finish it today because the Lord showed me two phases of how to address this issue. And part of what has triggered this, because it's been growing in me, and I've just been kind of waiting for the right time, but, but Lafayette Scales said some things during his time, especially last, well, both Monday, Sunday morning and, and I think it was Tuesday night. <clears throat> but he said some things before. Let me tell you why I bring Lafayette Scales in. 
I bring Lafayette Scales in because I believe he deposits something here, but he challenges me. He challenges me. And I bring him in here to challenge you. But I have him challenge me more than challenge you. And here's why. Because if we only hear things we agree with, and we only hear things we like, we're never going to grow and change. Because that assumes I know everything that's true. Now, if you're visiting us here this morning, and I know I've already met one family, couple that's visiting us, this is kind of a family talk, but I believe it'll, it, you, will, you will get something out of this. The reason I want to talk about this is the Bible says in, in Paul's writing that the church, which is not this building, it's us, is the pillar of truth in the world. Pillar means foundation of truth in the world. And we're living at a time when truth is thrown out the window. As Isaiah talks about it, it's fallen in the streets. It's like trash that you drive down the highway with and see it kind of cast to the side, blowing around in the wind. People don't care about the truth anymore. They only care about their own interests and their own position. So Paul says the church is to be the pillar, the foundation of truth in the world. Jesus put it a different way. He said, we are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. The church, which is his body, is the light. Now, if you have light, it's needed because there's darkness. You get up in the middle of the night, and you've got to find your way to the bathroom where the phone rings, and you've got to find the phone. Unless, unless you're, you know, if you're smart, you'll turn a light on so you can see where things are because the light helps us to see the truth of what's really there. Darkness hides the truth from us. And Satan, who's very real, at least Jesus believed in him, he's very real, he works in darkness. He works in the shades. If you notice, in all the places where he works, like bars and nightclubs, not that I've ever been in any. <laughs> that was before I was saved. The places he works are dark. They're dark. So people can't really see each other. So I can do what I want to do, and I'm not going to be noticed by anybody else that I might, might, might embarrass me. So we are the, the church is the light of the world. And then Jesus said, if it's put under a basket, hides its light, what good does it do? So if there's anything Satan wants to do is to put out the light that's in the church, the, tr the truth that's in the church. Now, he can't change this word, but what he can do is distract us so we don't see the truth. So what we're going to begin today, just two parts. I don't think we'll get to the second part today. We're going to begin to look at how do you, the title is how, Handling Decisive, Divisive, not Decisive, Handling Divisive Matters. Probably a better title, a more cute title I could give it, but it says what I want to talk about. And here's, here's an issue. Here's, here's, we're, going to, we're going to talk about, first of all, when Paul, when Paul addresses an, an issue to the churches, and we're going to see a church today that was divisive. When he addresses that, he never starts out with the divisiveness. He starts out by reminding them who they are. And one of the things Satan wants to do more than anything is to get into the church. And I know it's in here. These issues are in here. It's in our school like it's never been before. And so what we're going to do is instead of launching into these subjects, we're going to find out what the Word of God says, first of all. Because this is my authority. I don't want to insult you or shock you because I'll say it about me. In the, in the world, in politics, your opinion may matter. So they take surveys. The Gallup does polls and others do polls. We found out in this last election how accurate they are. But they're, they're, they interview people to find out what your opinion is. And that's wonderful. In a democracy, we should have opinions. But the kingdom of God's not a democracy. And you may have your opinion... I may have my opinion, but you know what my opinion's worth in God's eyes? <laughs> it's only what God says that matters. 
And the devil would love to pull us away from what God says. Because the moment you get away from this, we have to use our mind and our reasoning, and we'll see that. But before we get into what the Word of God says, everybody relax. Everybody do this. Take a deep breath. Relax. Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The devil ensnares us. He traps us. He fools us. And I've taught you before, he's a con artist. So what he tells you he's after is not what he's really after. So we're going to pull the curtain back this morning, or begin to pull the curtain back. And then we're going to look at, first of all, who, who, who the church is, who you are, if you're a Christian. And if that's who you are, then we have got to, by according to God's word, we have to operate by His standards, not my standards. We have to operate by His rules, and Lafayette talked about this. The kingdom of God does not operate by the same values that the world operates by. It does not operate by the same uh, uh, message. It doesn't operate by the same principles. In fact, in many cases, it's just the opposite. And he talked about, about uh, being, getting to the top. He's talked about achieving things. In the kingdom of God, you go to the bottom if you want to go to the top. And there are many other things. That are, that are, and I did a series a number of years ago on the upside-down kingdom about that principle. But in order to get into this, I want to, because I was listening very carefully as he was sharing, and listening in here, and I began to see some things that I think will help us, because Satan works through confusing issues, and then polarizing people. So I want to, I need some help this morning. Let's see. Patricia, would you come up here a minute? And would you come all the way up here? There used to be an up here. And then would you stand over here in front of Pastor Ray's keyboard? Let's see. Who, Richard. Would you come up? No, I want you to come around this way. I've got a reason for that. And I want you to come up here. I don't need to hold your hand, no, do you I? Don't. Okay. And I need you to stand over by Bonnie's stool. Just right behind this chair is good enough. Watch, this, watch the microphone here. Okay, let's see. I need to take... Um, Charles and Claudia, would you come up here and stand in the middle? Let's see. Right, up here. You can come either way. It doesn't matter. You'll see why. Um, let's see. Just so somebody else. <laughs> you don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Boy, do you trust me. <laughs> Steve and Cynthia, would you come up? I could get more. I want to visualize something. This is a picture that I saw last week. Now, this applies what we're going to talk about. Come on, just stand with Claudia. You know Charles and Claudia, don't you? Say hello. Don't visit. Just say hello. You can wave at Patricia and you can wave at Richard, but don't wave too hard because you don't know what I'm going to do with them. All right. Okay. There, there are a number of issues out there. Political issues, and it's... it's, it's, it's I don't want to get into all those details. But there are racial issues out there. And, and, and I'm going to just pick the one he mentioned because there are many other issues. And Lafayette referred to this movement called Black Life Matters and then made some comments about it. I had a chance to talk to him more after the service. But here's what happens. Here's what happens. In any of these, in any of these divisive things, you have two extremes. I'm sorry, Patricia, but you're one of the extremes, okay? And Richard, you're a lawyer. You're used to being in that position. So um, those of you who don't know, I used to be one, one of that belief. Um, and here's what happens. You get two extremes, two points of view that, that, that are extreme, and then you get a group in the middle that's being influenced one way or the other, trying to discern the truth. And what happens with each extreme is the people or the forces that are behind that don't care about the truth. In fact, in many cases, they have some other motive involved. On both sides of an issue. And where you come from and your background, listen carefully, affects how you hear the issue. And I asked the Lord, how do I get that across? So let me ask a question. And I'm this, we're not writing names down. How many of you are Patriots fans? Oh. 
All right, you can put your hands down. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not looking, I'm not going to judge anybody. I'm not going to... How many of you are, are follower fans of another football team? Oh, boy, we need to pray. We need to work. In, <laughs> my goodness, we really, we need two altar calls. No, I'm joking. All right, okay. All right, here's my point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a phrase. Lafayette said... Black Lives Matter. The moment you hear that term, your perspective on certain things, your background, things you've been taught, things you've heard in the media, immediately triggers something inside of you as you're li- trying to listen to somebody speak truth. Or I'm assuming the, 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 the sincerity of your heart. So I'm talking about football fans now. I'm going to say a term, and you look, listen to your reaction inside. Deflate gate. Spy gate. I could hear it. I'll, I'll be kind to her today. Let, let, Patricia is an avid Patriots fan. I'm not done. <clears throat> Richard is an avid, hmm, oh, let's get into it, Jets fan. Oh. <laughs> you're, you're proving my case. And I say deflate gate. If you're a Patriots fan, you hear that term completely differently than a Seattle fan or an Atlanta fan, which just happened to be the two cities of teams that the Patriots have beaten in the Super Bowl lately. Why? How does a Patriots fan hear Deflate Gate? We hear Deflate Gate, and for those of you who are football fans, you'll understand this later on. <clears throat> we hear this, the world hates us because we're successful and always win. See? A Jets fan? A Seattle Seahawks fan, Atlanta Falcons fan, or almost anybody else in the NFL, hears it, you're a bunch of cheaters, so obviously they did what they were said. Can you see how your perspective changes how you hear an issue? And the facts of what happened are the facts of what, and we don't know, but whatever they are, they're the facts. But we all have a prejudice which affects how I hear and what I'm willing to see based on the results that I want to see happen. Those are the two extremes. So when you hear a term like Black Life Matters or any of the other emotionally charged terms which may be, may be, not, may be political or something, you know, immigration, all these are charged terms nowadays. That people, if you, as long as you get involved, in many cases have some kind of immediate reaction to, and all kinds of things trigger to mind. I remember back during a, a, an election a number of years ago, uh, when, when, when the gentleman in the pulpit at the time mentioned something. And I was the associate pastor back then. I was walking around, and some woman stormed out of here mad. He said, he said, such and such. And, he said, and I said, well, what's the issue? Come on, calm down. What's the issue? And he was talking about a candidate, and he, he just laid into this candidate. He's, he's all these things about him. And I, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. When did you meet him? Well, I've never met him. Then how do you know these things? Well, because he, no, 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 no. How do you, how do you know these things? Because you're not talking about beliefs or what they voted for. You're talking about the person's attitude and heart. How do you know that? Well, because I said it's because you've heard the media. And I'm not against the media, but, but because you've got to learn to listen critically. Because you've heard people say things, and because it fits in with your point of view, you've adopted it as if it were truth, and then you begin to run on that. Everybody yes. understand where I'm going so, where I'm so far? Okay, so here we go. You've got, you've got an ex- Patricia who's an extreme...
Patriots fan will do that. Okay, she's extreme on some issue. <clears throat> and Richard, who's extreme, we lost. No, extremely, uh, he's extreme against the Patriots. Okay? In, in, in political, racial, and all the other divisive issues, the driving forces, listen, you gotta listen carefully to this, the driving force, I'm not talking about the truth. Because Satan wants to confuse the truth. He's not going to confuse her and he's not going to confuse him because they've made up their minds. The group I'm speaking to today is this group in the middle. Did you wonder why you're up here? Okay. Now, Richard, just begin to talk about the, against the Patriots. Well, they're, they're cheaters. They, they, uh, they never uh, play by the rules. Start moving over here. You're listening to him. Start moving this way. Uh, you know, Belichick is, you know, you call him Belichick for good reason. <laughs> now, Patricia, you start talking for the Patriots. Oh, we, we are winners. Oh, we can play hard. Now you start moving back over this way. We win, that's all. We just want to win, yes. Okay. Okay. Now, Richard, you start again. <laughs> now they start moving back over this way. They did the spy gate against the Jets, and they did... And they now, did Patricia, the say something again. You're getting dizzy yet? <laughs> okay, now, both of you start talking. All right, thank you. Oh, you can step down. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. And we'll pray for you too. Thank you. <laughs> it's the group in the middle that I'm talking to. And here's the problem. This is what sucks this middle group in. There's truth in what both are saying. And so we we, we so what happens is if, if I'm an avid Patriots fan. And I've done this. And I hear reports about Brady did this and said, Billy, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to know the truth because I'm a Patriots fan. So I'll reinterpret what I hear. And of course, if you're a Jets fan or some of the other persuasions, you'll respond just the opposite way. Now let's bring that into something like Black Life Matters. Let's bring that into something, any immigration. And here's what I began to sort out as I was listening to Lafayette. Because I could feel the reaction of some people in here. I could feel my reaction. But Lord, I want to know the truth. And this is what I began to see. What makes it difficult is you often have, as a, as a, as a, as a promoting force behind these two extremes, and by extreme, I'm not talking about extreme truth. We need extreme truth. I'm talking about extreme positions. Extreme means I don't want to know the whole truth. I have my view and I have my agenda that's behind it. And it's on both sides. And when I have an agenda, I don't want to know the truth because the truth might get in the way of what I want. And those very often, not always, are the driving force. And so we sit on one side and say, yeah, but they're wrong because they means this, they means this, they means this. So I can sit in my nice living room, in my nice white community, which is not all white, and I can hear these reports of, of policemen shooting young black men in the street and begin to say, well, because my reaction is, I'm just being honest with you, well, the police do have a dangerous job and they're just trying to, and I, but, but I've never been there. I've never been there. On the other hand, you can come from that atmosphere, that community, in that situation, and say, the white man's always trying to keep me down. And that's not true either. Now, there are people that will do that on both extremes. But what we do is we generalize. So we assume every policeman is trying to kill a black person, and every white person is trying to keep a black person down, and every black person's out there trying to rob and steal. Okay. Okay. Again, what we're looking for is truth. And how do you find the truth? How do you discern the truth? And then what do we do with that? And can we talk about this in church? We must. 
if we're the pillar of truth, we need to find out how do we find out what the truth is. Okay. So those two extremes, and I'm not saying, because there's, <laughs> it depends on who you're talking to, the situation. So what we're going to do right now is we're going we're to look at two different phases of how I believe the Bible, this is what Paul did, and I mentioned it earlier. Paul started when he was going to correct his churches. The Corinthian church was very divisive. And see, oh, oh yes, I need to thank you, Lord. This church is a treasure, and you're the treasure, it's not the building. Because what God has done here to bring together nations, I don't we haven't done it recently, but we did a survey back at our 30th celebration, and we had 30 nations represented in this church. I want you to look around you. I want you to stand up, give you a break here, and just turn around and look at the people around you. Hello. I, I didn't. I, you see, you didn't see whether they were a Patriots fan or not. <laughs> All right, now turn around, sit down. This is what I see every Sunday. I see that the Spirit of God has done something here our government can't do. This is just pastor talk this morning. Lafayette told me, because I asked him, actually he's told me before. He declares, and it's true, because I've been in his church a number of times. I know, Steve, you've been there. And so has Pastor Ray. His church is a multi-generational, multi-racial, multicultural church. But it's nothing like this. He told me, he said, John, of all the churches I go to or been to, this is the most diverse church I've ever been in. And, and as Paris so clearly said, Pastor Sam didn't do that because of his personality. I marvel, I'm just talking out of my heart now, I'm off my nose, I'll get back to them. I marvel sometimes and you probably do too. How, how can young African people sit week after week and listen to a white-haired, white ex-lawyer? Now think about that. Think about that. Think about that. Because we judge who we're going to hear by what they look like first of all, until we get to know them. I remember one of my sons made some comment about a particular nationality. And he was young. And I said, um, well, what about Michael, who was his best friend? He said, what do you mean? I said, Michael's of that, gener of that, of that nation. He looked at me, he says, no, he's not. I said, that's because he's Michael. because you got to know who he is and you don't even notice the color of his skin or his accent because he's Michael to you. So we're, we celebrate what God has done here. But listen carefully. God's not the only one who realizes what he's done here. The devil knows what's been done here. And the power, we'll talk about this maybe a little later on today, the, 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 this morning, not today. <laughs> Don't get nervous. <laughs> um, the devil knows the power that's in this unity. I mean, the, the testimony that this is. On the day of Pentecost, what happened? All these nationalities came together by the Spirit. The unity of the bringing together of nations, of colors, of all different kinds of backgrounds under one Spirit is a sign of the Holy Spirit's presence. So if there's anything Satan would love to get into and divide, if there's any, listen carefully, if there's anything he must, the only thing he can do to stop what God wants to do here is to get us divided against each other. 
And it's a subtle thing because I'm going to, we all come here with prejudices. We all do. Based on your background, how you were raised. Now, we can overcome them, but they're still underneath there. And if we're not aware of this, and if we don't begin to do some of the things I'm going to talk about, those things, especially under tension and pressure, and now we have, such, we have outside influences coming at us through the news media 24 hours a day, if you will let it. Something pops up on my phone that said there was this riot over there. Something pops up on my phone saying somebody was just shot there. And one of the first questions, what, what color were they? Those things should never come into our minds. Everybody okay? We have to get into the Bible. <laughs> Acts chapter 2. So what we're going to look at, first of all, it's going to seem as if we're pulling away from this issue. What we're going to look at, first of all, is who we are. I've begun that by having you see who we, we are here. But it's more than that. The beginning place of dealing with any issues of life is I have to start out by deciding, am I a Christian or am I not? That went over big. We just sang some, I give my life away, except my attitudes. I give my life away, <clears throat> unless it requires something of me. I give my life away, <clears throat> so you can use me within certain limits, as long as I'm comfortable. <clears throat> These are all the footnotes that are in the song we don't actually sing. But God reads the footnotes. Amen, that's right. All right. So if we're Christians, we're members of a different kingdom. Now I'm going to say something that may shock you, but say this ahead of time. I love Pastor John. Okay. If you're a Christian, you're no longer black or white, African or American. Those are your genes of your physical body, but you're a new creature in Christ. And we now belong to a kingdom together. That wasn't so bad. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, quickly. Don't go there, because they don't have it. In Acts chapter 2 is, is the day of Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out. But, but Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem after he'd been raised from the dead until you're endued with power from on high. And they were there praying back and forth. And, 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 and it says, and they were together in one accord. They were together in one accord. Now I assume they were praying. It doesn't say a lot about it. But what it does say is they were in one accord. They were one. Seeking one thing together. One heart one mind. And when they got to that place of unity, the next verse says, and the place began to shake and the room was filled with the Spirit of God. And we want, need the Spirit of God and that's why the devil has to create disunity because the Spirit of God can only come in unity. Acts chapter 6. So we'll see what happens. So there was unity at the beginning. But then Satan comes to try to divide and what happens now is the church has been growing, so you have different races in the church right now. You've got Jews that have speak Hebrew and Jews that have come from, from Greece, and they speak Greek. And so we're going to see in Acts, it's chapter 6, John. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, so there's a revival going on, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, that's the Greeks, because the, their widows, the Hellenist widows, were neglected in the daily distribution. So the, the Hebrew believers were preferring their own people over the Greek believers. Division was starting. And it's interesting what the apostles did, is they appointed men over the distribution of food, but their qualification is they had to be full of the Holy Spirit. Not that they had to be good cooks. Not that they had to be good administrators. They had to be filled with the Holy Spirit because they had to deal with the divisiveness, the pulling apart that was taking place. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is one of the churches I was talking about. We're looking first of all at the division that comes in churches. 
We're human. But we're not just human. That's what we've got to understand. Paul's going to say in here, we're not going to look at it, but Paul says that when you're carnal, when you're going by your own emotional reactions and your own understanding, you're carnal, you're acting like mere men. That wasn't a compliment. The implication is, if we're a Christian, we're not mere men. We are the body of Christ. And therefore, we're to look at things through His eyes, we're to hear things through His ears, and we're to have His heart towards people and towards situations. And what we do with our prejudices, and it's not just racial or political, it's, it's every prejudice and any prejudged idea and as a wall that we put up that keeps limits what God can do for us and through us. And churches, many churches, have these walls build up. So if you walk into that church, you're welcome if you look like they do. If you smell like they do. If you talk like they do. That's judging people based on the outside that's carnal. But we're not mere men. We are the body of Christ. Oh, I've got to move on. Okay. 1 Corinthians 10, 1, verse 10. Verse 1, verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I plead with you. Brethren, that stood out to me this morning as I was reviewing this. I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's His authority for calling them back, that you all speak the same thing. Now, that doesn't mean we all recite the same thing. That you all speak the same thing, that we're all in agreement when we say something. And that there be no divisions among you. That word divisions means a scission, a break, a division, a separation factions that there be no be factions or, or separating among you but that you be perfectly completely joined together in the same mind and the same judgment for it has been declared to me concerning you my brethren by those of Chloe's household she was the snitch I guess that there are contentions among you quarrels now I say this that, that each of you says and here's what the division was over I'm of Paul I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, that's Peter, or I'm of Christ. In other words, in this church, they were divided over who they were following, who they were listening to, whose CDs they were listening to, who they were watching on YouTube, who they were giving to, to put it in our vernacular. But they were f- arguing over these things. I'm of Paul. I was saved under Paul's ministry. So I'm better than you. You were only saved under Apollos, who came in later. But he was a great teacher, so I'm under Paul. I have a follower of Apollos. And look what he says. This is the key. Verse 13. Is Christ divided? See, they were fighting and divided over issues. In that case, it was theological issues. And Paul's saying, he's remi- you've forgotten who you are? You are his body. And can he be divided? Can he be separated? Can he be divided as black or white, Paul or Cephas? Can he be divided? Then you don't know who you are because he can't be divided or you're not his body. Is Christ divided? Was Paul, this is good, was Paul crucified for you? Was President Trump crucified for you? Was Hillary Clinton crucified for you? Was whoever you chasing after and listening to, are they crucified for you? Christ is the one who gave his life for me and for you. Then he says, I thank God that I didn't baptize anybody or I'd have gotten in the middle of this mess. Verse 17. I know I didn't go that far. That's fine. Okay. So Paul's answer for correcting the church for, for, for bringing together this division was to remind them who they are and then he goes on to tell them how to act because of that. And that's what we're going to do. So we have to first of all remember who we are before we look at these issues. So we had up here a Patriots fan looking at the issue of the Flategate. We had up here a Jet fan or a Seattle Seahawks fan or some other fan looking at the issue of the Flategate.
through their own perspective. And that's what's going on in the church. People are looking at this, the issue of, 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 of Black Lives Matter or, or any other of those racial terms or issues or, or things coming up or immigration or all these hot topics today. And there are many other things we can be divided over. Looking at them as a person, not as the body of Christ together. And if we look at, if we don't go back and look at who we, if we don't, if we don't establish again in our thinking the foundation of who we are, then when we look at these issues, we're going to look at these issues like mere men, and we're going to react like mere men. And, and, and let me let me say this as, as, stir, as clearly and as hard as I can: if you're a Christian, you don't have the right to do that. If you're really a Christian, I mean, we're at the place, it's time to decide, are we Christians or not? If we're Christians, if we're the body of Christ, you and I don't have the right to do that. We don't have the right to do that. Oh, because my life has been paid for by the precious blood of the Lamb. My soul, my life has been paid for to be brought out of this world by the precious blood of God's Son. And for me to turn my, for me to get embroiled, we're going to look, begin to look next week, we do need to be involved. But if we don't go through this step, we're going to get involved just like the world gets involved. You and I are not to be involved, listen to me very carefully, you and I are not to be personally involved in these issues. Listen carefully. It's Christ in us that wants to be involved in these issues. We are called as the body of Christ, and I'm getting ahead of myself, to bring Christ into these situations. Not me, not what I think. Even if I'm thinking sharply and well and have a good perspective, I have no right to bring me into them because I've given my life to Christ. Everybody okay? Yeah. All right. Let's go to Ephesians 2. Have a little drink of water. Richard, you didn't spit in this any because you're okay. I'm, 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 I have no idea what his allegiance to, but I. He's a Patriots fan, so he was serving the Lord here. In this. Ephesians two, and this is all in these passages. Wow. Ephesians two, fourteen. Before this, he said, remember that you were once Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, but that time you were throughout Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Verse 14, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made both one. Talking here about the Jews and the Gentiles that have come to Christ, and you couldn't be, it was, that was a racial issue too. You couldn't have been any more diverse than to be a Jew or a Gentile. And we in our culture have trouble fully understanding that. But in the Jews' culture at that day, in fact, even under the law, the Gentiles were just, you, you didn't talk to them. Because you were the holy people. And the Gentiles took offense at that. And so they would get back at the Jews, say things, and they're still doing that today. Persecute the Jews. And then the Jews would get mad at the Gentiles, and the Gentiles would get mad at the Jews. We talked about this in example on a, on a Wednesday night at last fall, I think, we talked, went through the book of Philemon. The book of Philemon is an amazing story, letter, because it talks about this slave owner whose slave runs away, ends up in Rome and gets saved under Paul, and Paul sends him back, and now the slave owner has to deal with this former slave as a brother in Christ, no longer a slave. 
He has to make this adjustment, and Paul's appeal to make the adjustment is he's no longer a slave to you. He's now your brother in Christ. You're both brothers in Christ. And by the way, you came to Christ through me, both of you. So when you're a Christian, you can't think like the world. Ephesians. Okay. So he is, himself is our peace. He has made both one and broken down the middle wall of separation. And Satan's trying to build it back up. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the, the anger, the, the, the animosity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinance so as to create in himself, so as to create in himself, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. So the peace in the church isn't just because I decide I can like Charles and put up with him. I'm just using an example. It's because we're one in Christ. That's my brother. He's an employee, but he's my brother. Because we're now one in Christ, if indeed you are in Christ. Verse 16. And that he might reconcile or restore them both to God in one body through the cross. That's what it cost him to do this. To bring the unity, to bring together all people in Christ that would come to him, it took the cross to pay for that. Verse 17, And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are you near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Let's go down. Well, let's keep on going. Now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. This is what I want to get to, verse 22. In whom you also are being built together. He's talking about the body of Christ for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. God's plan for the church to be a witness to the world is that we would be a place where God dwells. Where God dwells. Where God dwells. And I'm not just talking about this building. It's when we come together. A temple. The Bobby calls the church, the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Temple is a dwelling place. That's what it refers to. Okay. Now, part of the same conversation. Chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, and now we're going to stop there because we're going to jump down to verse 14 or 15. Because there's a little parenthetical. Paul talks about his own experience. Verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father, Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family in heaven and earth is named after him. And he's, this prayer is now so that because it's God's desire, it's God's plan for him to dwell in the church. In his glory, in his power, in his love. That's what he, that's his plan. That's how, that's how we're going to evangelize. It's not because we've got great programs. It's his presence. We sing about his presence. But this is what's required. First, this reason, I bow before the Father, from whom the whole family is named, verse 16. This is Paul's prayer so that God could dwell among us. That he would grant you, remember this is, that he grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ might dwell, live in your hearts through faith. Now when people live, when, when, my, when our kids live with us, they dwelt in our house. They didn't stop by Sunday morning and visit sometimes on Wednesday night. They lived there, which means they operated out of the house, they got fed in the house, they went to school out of the house, and what this is talking about is Christ, God wants Christ to dwell and Him through Him in the church. That doesn't mean, I feel His presence. To dwell there means He wants to be able to do what He wants to do through us. He wants to carry out His will, His view, 
His power. He wants to do His will through us because we are His body. Just as when my mind wants to go eat after church, the second service, my body has to take me there. My body has to open its mouth. My body has to eat the food and process the food. My mind wanted to do that, but my body carried out what my mind wanted to do. Jesus, God wants the Son to dwell in the church through the Holy Spirit so that He can carry out His will, His heart, His ways through us. That Christ, verse 17, may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love... To be rooted in something and grounded in something is where you get your nutrition from. It's where you get your sustenance from. And his body is to get this from love. Not who's right or who's wrong. Because we get upset over issues God's not concerned about and we ignore things he's very concerned about. Love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 18, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts, so that, verse 18, so we may be able to comprehend or understand with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ. That word know means with, by experience. To know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that's intellectual knowledge, so that you may be filled. This is some of the most powerful words in the Bible filled with all the fullness of God. God wants to indwell His church with His presence. But it's only as we're rooted and grounded in love. So when we get into these issues and fight back and forth, what are we not rooted and grounded in? What? What? Love. What the devil wants us to do is to get mad, to get in strife. This is why strife is so dangerous. This is why strife is fatal. Because it's the opposite of love and it unplugs us from each other and therefore ultimately from God's communion with Him. Everything God does, He does motivated by love because He is love. And you can walk in love and make all kinds of mistakes and God will cover you. But you step outside of love and you're walking in bed in dangerous territory. And his plan, his prayer, was that all the saints, all of us, would begin to comprehend not just being rooted in this love, but the, the width, how he's talking about here, the, the limitless extent of that love. How far Christ's love will go. This is what Lafayette was talking about. Because he sees treasures. He values people that you and I would never value. So he'll, his love will go into places you and I might not feel comfortable in. But you might come from a neighborhood and where you don't feel comfortable coming into my neighborhood or where I used to practice law. Because it's not just the breadth and length, but it's the height. Some of the most forgotten people in the world are the wealthy, the intellectual, the highly educated. Some of the loneliest, most Broken people I've ever known were partners in the law, large law firm that I worked in. They were making all kinds of money. And they were the loneliest, most broken, some of the highest instances of alcohol were among lawyers, especially the high-performing lawyers and the pressure. We forget about them. God doesn't. God doesn't. And how, how, how what is the depth of his love? I always think of Mother Teresa, oh, not just Mother Teresa, T.L. Osborne. Great, he was a predecessor of Reinhard Bunke. Great missionary. Went to uh, these huge open air uh, 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 crusades where hundreds of thousands of people would get saved in Africa. He really started the revival in Africa, then Europe, South America. And he was in India, and I heard him tell this story because he came and spoke to us at school. Something was supposed to be four, half an hour or something like that. We sat there for two hours, and I'm looking around after two hours. You know, two hours you could get a little tired. An hour you can get tired. It's two hours, and everybody's sitting on the edge of their seat like this, listening to his stories. Told about this time, time one time he was in India. And he was on his way to speak. This big, big, big stadium he was to speak at. He was in a white suit. 
and he had a limousine taking him that the churches had come together and taken him. And he's going around the corner, as you may be aware, in India they have a caste system. It's a, it, you, talk about, you talk about racial division. And if you were in that cat, the lowest class is called untouchables. Nobody can touch you unless you're of that class because you're the scum of the earth. And they're marked by marks on their head. So you can identify who they are. And his limousine's slowly going around in traffic and there's this man in the gutter. And the gutters there are not like the gutters here even in Providence. It's where the sewer ran. And this man is in a gutter. He's one of these untouchables, the lowest of low in Indian society. People are walking, and he's dying. And Osborne said, all of a sudden, something rose up in me. He said, it wasn't me. A compassion rose up in me that couldn't move any further. And I stopped the limousine. I got out of the car. I got down in the gutter in this white suit and held this man in my arms while he died. And I'm thinking, what, what, it would it'd be wonderful. He held him in his arms and got him healed, saved, and delivered, and took him back in the... No. But what Osborne said, God loved that man in the gutter so much that he brought me by to hold him while he died. Others passing by, but Osborne was moved by the Spirit of God. So the depths of God's love the heights of God's love. We've got we to gotta move on because we'll come back to this next week. So that we know, verse 19, to know the love of Christ which passes not, we may fill with all the fullness of God now unto Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ. Okay. Now let's go over to Ephesians chapter 4 because it's a continuation of the same idea. Everybody doing okay? Yes. All right, good. This is the same subject. He's just prayed. He said, it's God's will that God dwell not among His people, in His people, in the church. And now because of that, He prayed for the Ephesian church that, that God would strengthen them by His Spirit so that Christ could live there in them and then they could come to know the limitlessness of His love, of where His love would go. And now He's going to talk to them out of this. Chapter 4, because he didn't write this in chapters. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness, that just means meekness, that means humility. With all humility and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. In, look at this, what I want to get to. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The wonderful blending together that we celebrated a few minutes ago here is the unity of the Spirit. Because what I tried to show you is we don't all look alike. We don't all talk alike. We don't all think alike. But we all come together as one. I remember when I was first saved, and there were not, didn't, I don't think there were a lot of Christians in Boston at that time. Almost, almost 40 years now. And I met, a, I met, I met a, a young girl in our law firm. She was a secretary. I was a senior associate. She was a secretary. I found out she was a Christian. And immediately there was a bond there. I didn't even know who she was. And I began to realize that when I would meet a Christian, I felt closer to them than my family I'd grown up with my whole life. Why? Because there was something in the spirit that resonated with each other. That's the spirit of unity that draws us together. It's not the outside. Obviously, it's not the outside because we don't all look alike by any stretch of the imagination, but it's on the inside. Oh, Lord, we've got to move on. Preserve the spirit of unity. There is verse 4. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. And so there's only one body. There's not the black body of Christ and the white body of Christ. There's not the Spanish body of Christ and the Puerto Rican body of Christ. There's not the, the, the South American body of Christ. There's, not, there's one body. There's one body. If you're Christian, there's one body that we belong to. Because that's the one that's going up. If you're not part of that, you're not going up. You're going down. 
one God and Father. I, I want to go, I'm going to skip something because I'm going to come back here next week. I'm going to go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 quickly. Verse 9, Therefore we make it our, our aim, whether absent, present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. Listen carefully, because we're talking about being ready. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of God, of Christ. So, if you agree or disagree, it doesn't only matter, because we're all going to stand before Him and give an account. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, and we're well known to God, and also trust we're well known to you. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but to give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer to those who boast in appearance, which is what we're talking about, and not in heart, our heart. For if, the, if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. If it's our sound mind, it's for you. That's a different issue he's talking about. Verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus. If one died for all, then all died. Look at verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. He just sang that song, I give myself away. Look at this. Because of this. Because when Christ died, if I'm a Christian, I died with him. And we're going to celebrate in three weeks. Because he was raised from the dead, we're raised from the dead. So if one died for all, then all died. Look at verse, the next verse, 16. Therefore, because of this, because I'm now His, because I'm now joined to Him, because therefore from now on we regard no one, say no one, no one. according to the flesh. We regard no one according to the flesh even though we've known Christ according to the flesh. In other words, the disciples had seen Him. They'd seen what He looked like. They'd seen the color of His hair, His beard, the color of His skin. They'd seen His height. They could see Him with their senses. But Paul says, the rest of us, we now have to relate to Him spirit to spirit because we can't physically see Him with these eyes. So now we don't know Him that way any longer. We used to know one another. We used to evaluate people based on the outer person. Say, well, they're white, they're black, they're African, they're, they're European, they're Caucasian, they're Republican, they're Democrat, they're independent. They can't make up their mind. Or, you know, I'm not talking about the independents, I'm just saying. So we, before we came to Christ, that's how we judged and evaluated one another. But when you came to Christ, that old person died. If you didn't, you're not going to heaven because you still have to die. You must be born again. Because of that, we don't recognize anyone the way we used to. We now don't recognize them according to the flesh. Just like we don't recognize Christ anymore according to the flesh. And the next verse is the one we love to quote so often, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. We quote that verse, but we don't look at the verses that are before it. The therefore says, because of all that, this is how we now are to, re to recognize one another. The other told us how we're not anymore. Before you were in Christ, we recognize one another according to the color of their skin, according to their nationality, the accent they spoke with. I mean, you can have amazing prejudices. When we went to school in Tulsa, I discovered a major prejudice I had. It's called the Northeast Prejudice. Anyone that spoke with a Southern accent, I'm not there anymore, was a hick. That was my, my, my mindset. If you had asked me, I would have said no. But I could tell by how I responded because I'm sitting out there listening to people with southern accents and I'm getting, I, I, I'm not, I got a wall up. And I began to really, God, why, if you said, you didn't send me out here to put a wall up, what's the problem? And the Lord says, you're prejudiced. Which is another word for proud. Later on he told me I was a snob. I shared that Wednesday night. He loves me. But he's trying to correct me. And I realized, God, i got to pull this wall down or I'm not going to get what I'm here for. But when it came to Christ, this is how we are to now recognize one another. This is how you are to esteem one another regardless of the color of their skin. For if any man in Christ, he's a new 
creature. How many new creatures do we have in here this morning? That's how you're to recognize yourself in one another. All things, the way we used to look at things, the way we used to look at one another, have passed away. All things have become new. And he goes on to say, because of that, we're now, we are now been given the ministry of God has been at work in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And we, the church, have been given the word of reconciliation. The message of reconciliation. God's not mad at them through Christ. And he goes on to say, so that we're now ambassadors for Christ. The church is his presence, his light, his truth. And if it ever needs light and truth, it needs it now. We'll go back over some of this next week to kind of remind ourselves. And then we'll begin to look at some of these social things that Lafayette raised about the treasure hunts. But we're going to look at them together. Amen? We're going to look at them together as the body of Christ at these issues. How Christ sees these things. How Christ, and and Christ, oh, uh, (laughs) Christ isn't concerned about issues. He's concerned about people. We react to issues. The treasures are the people. And the issues keep us from seeing the people. And we'll begin to get into that next week. Everybody okay? All right. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I'm trusting and believing that we drove some of the devil out. Forearm now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you would entrust to such clay vessels as we are, such a precious treasure as the presence of your Son by your Spirit, that we would be the vessel, the container of the light and of the truth and of the love and the glory of God in the earth today. Lord, in many ways our clay vessels has cracks in it. <laughs> But often it's through the cracks that your light's able to shine out. Bring us together. Lord, where we, where we have prejudices and issues in our mind and walls in our hearts, may the spirit of truth soften those walls and begin to break them down. In many cases, Father, we have those walls up because we've been taught those walls and we've kept them up In some cases, we've reinforced them because we're trying to protect ourselves. And because we belong to you, we don't have to protect ourselves. We belong to you. Father, forgive us for the times, and I'm talking about me first of all, where we've been prejudiced and looked at one another, perhaps even very subtly, with prejudged ideas and attitudes. And may those walls come down call us by your spirit call us by your spirit and open our eyes to see who we are as the body of Christ and we may feel your heart together and may hear your words together that we may go forth from this place to bring your light your truth, your glory your power, your love into this desperately lost and dying world that the church may not just be a voice of truth but it may be a beacon and a light of truth that draws people who are searching for the truth. Thank you again for trusting this to us. In Jesus' name.